Section 26 of Revelations of a Wife. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Mary Rohde. Revelations of a Wife by Adele Garrison. Chapter 26. A Voice That Carried Far. Ah, Mrs. Graham, this is an unexpected pleasure. Dr. Pettit's eyes looked down into my own with an expression that emphasized the words he had just uttered. His outstretched hand clasped mine warmly. His impressive greeting embarrassed me a bit, and I turned instinctively toward Dicky to see if he had noticed the young physician's extraordinarily cordial greeting. But this I had no opportunity to discover, for as I turned, a taxi drew up to the curb with the Underwoods, who had come down to spend the promised week with us. Dicky and I were waiting for the little Cresthaven Beach trolley, and Dicky sprang to meet Grace Draper and the Durkees, Alfred Durkey and his mother, who completed our party for the motorboat trip. "'I am very glad to see you, Dr. Pettit,' I murmured conventionally, then hurriedly, "'Pardon me a moment. I must greet these guests. I will be back.' When I turned again to him, after welcoming Grace Draper with forced friendliness, and the Durkees with the real warmth of liking I felt for them, I found him talking to Lillian. Dr. Pettit, it appeared, was waiting for the same car we wished to take, and no one looking at our friendly chatting group would have known that he did not belong to the party. It was when we were all seated comfortably in the trolley, bowling merrily along over the grass-strewn track, that Lillian voiced a suggestion which had sprung into my own mind, but to which I did not quite know how to give utterance. "'Look here,' she said brusquely, "'I am not the hostess of this party, but I'm practically one of the family, so I feel free to issue an invitation if I wish. Dr. Pettit, what's the matter with you joining our party for the day? Dicky here has been howling for another man to help lug the grub all morning.' "'Unless you are set on a solitary day, that man might as well be you,' she punctuated the parody with a mocking little moo. I had a sneaking little notion that Dicky would have been glad of the opportunity to box Lillian's ears for her suggestion. I do not think he enjoyed the idea of adding Dr. Pettit to the party, but, of course, in view of what she had said, there was nothing for him to do but to pretend a cordial acquiescence in her suggestion. "'That's the very thing,' he said, with the heartiness which only I, and possibly Lillian, could dream was assumed. "'Lil, you do occasionally have a gleam of human intelligence, don't you? I do hope you have no plan that will interfere with coming with us,' he said to the physician." We have a big boat charter down here at the beach, and we're going to loaf along out to one of the desert islands and camp for the day. That sounds like a most interesting program, said the young physician. His voice held a note of hesitation, and he looked swiftly, inquiringly at me and back again. It was so carelessly done that I do not think anyone noticed it but I realized that he was waiting for me to join my voice to the invitation. "'Well, Dr. Pettit,' Dicky came up at this juncture, "'out for the day?' His tone was cordial enough, but I, who knew every inflection of Dicky's voice, 
realized that he did not relish the appearance of Dr. Pettit upon the scene. "'Yes, I'm going down to the shore for a dip,' the young physician returned, and then, without the stiff dignity which I had seen in his professional manner, he acknowledged the introductions which I gave him to Grace Draper and the Durkees. "'I trust you will think it interesting enough to make it worth your while to join us,' I said demurely, lifting my eyes to his, and catching a swift flash of something which might be either relief or triumph in his steely grey ones. "'Indeed, I shall be very glad to accompany you,' he said, smiling. Our boat, a large, comfortable one, built on lines of usefulness rather than beauty, slipped over the dancing blue waters of the bay like an enchanted thing. A neat striped awning was stretched over the rear of the boat beneath which we lounged at ease. The boat sped on as lazily as our idle conversation, and finally we came in sight of a gleaming beach of sand, with seaweed so luxuriantly tangled that it looked like small clumps of bushes, with the calm, still water of the bay on one side, and the lazily rolling surf on the other. "'Behold our desert island!' Dicky exclaimed dramatically, springing to his feet. Jim ran the boat skillfully up on the beach and grounded her. Harry Underwood stepped forward to assist me ashore, but Dr. Pettit, with unobtrusive quickness, was before him. As I laid my hand in that of the young physician, Harry Underwood gave a hoarse stage laugh. "'I told you so,' he croaked maliciously. "'I knew I had a rival on my hands.' As Harry Underwood uttered his jibing little speech, Dicky raised his head and looked fixedly at me. It was an amazed, questioning look, one that had in it something of the bewilderment of a child. In another instant he had turned away to answer a question of Grace Draper's. I felt my heart beating madly. Was Dicky really taking notice of the attentions which Harry Underwood and Dr. Pettit were bestowing upon me? I had no time to ponder long, however, for Lillian Underwood seized my arm almost as soon as we stepped on shore, and walked me away until we were out of earshot of the others. "'Did you see Dicky's face?' she demanded breathlessly, when Harry and that lovely doctor of yours were doing their rival gallant act. It was perfectly lovely to see his lordship so puzzled. That doctor friend of yours was certainly sent by Providence just at this time. Just keep up the judicious little flirtation with him, and I'll wager that before the week's out Dicky will have forgotten such a girl as Grace Draper exists. If it had not been for the memory of Lillian's advice ringing in my ears, I think I should have much astonished Dr. Pettit and Harry Underwood when they started into the surf with me. The whole situation was most annoying to me, and besides, it was so unutterably silly. I might have been any foolish schoolgirl of seventeen, with a couple of immature youths vying for my smiles, for any reserve or dignity there was in the situation. My fingers itched to astonish each of the smirking men with a sound box on the ear, but my fiercest anger was against Dicky. If he had been properly attentive to me, Mr. Underwood and Dr. Pettit would have no opportunity 
indeed would not have dared to pay me the idiotic compliments or to offer the silly attentions they had given me but dicky and grace draper were romping in the surf like two children splashing water over each other and running hand in hand toward the place far out on the sand for it was low tide where they could swim they might have been alone on the beach for anything their appearance showed to the contrary and yet as i gazed i saw dicky look past the girl in my direction with a quick furtive watching glance as they went farther into the surf he sent another glance over his shoulder toward me as i caught it guessing that in all his apparent interest in grace draper he was yet watching me and my behavior something seemed to snap in my brain i would give him something to watch with a swift movement I slipped a little bit away from the two men by my side, and filling my hands with water, splashed it full into the face of Harry Underwood. "'Dare you to play blind man's bluff,' I said gaily, sending another handful into Dr. Pettit's face, and then slipping adroitly to one side, I laughed with, I fancy, as much mischief as any hoyden of sixteen could have put into her voice, at the picture the men made trying to get the salt water out of their eyes i had no compunctions on the score of their discomfort for i felt that i had a score to settle with each of them the way in which each took my rudeness however was characteristic of the men harry underwood's face grew black for a minute then it cleared and he laughed boisterously you little devil he said i'll pay you for that ever get kissed under water well that's what will happen to you before this day is over dr pettit's face did not change but into his gray eyes came a little steely glint he said nothing only smiled at me but there was something about both smile and eyes that made me more uncomfortable than harry underwood's bizarre threat I was so unskilled in this game of banter and flirtation that I was at a loss what to say. Recklessly I grasped at the first thing which came into my mind. "'You'll have to catch me first, I said daringly, and turning ran swiftly out toward the open sea. I am only a fair swimmer, but the sea was unusually calm, so that I went much farther than I otherwise would have dared.' When I found the water getting too deep for walking, I started swimming. As I swam, I looked over my shoulder. The two men were following me, both swimming easily. Dr. Pettit was in the lead, but Harry Underwood, with powerful strokes, was not far behind him. I concluded that Dr. Pettit had been the swifter runner, but that the other man was the better swimmer. As I saw them coming toward me, I realized that I had given them a challenge which each in his own way would probably take up. I was dismayed. I felt that I could not bear the touch of either man's hand. In another moment my punishment had come. Dr. Pettit overtook me, stretched out his hand, just touched me with a caressing, protecting little gesture, and said in a low tone, "'Don't be afraid, little girl.' if you will accord me the privilege i will see that your friend does not get a chance of fulfilling his threat i knew that he intended his words for my ear alone but he had not counted on harry underwood's quick ear 
that gentleman swam lazily toward us saying as he passed us with a malicious little grin better go slow upon that protecting heroine from villain stunt i see friend husband is getting a bit restless he forged on into the surf with long powerful strokes that yet had the curious appearance of indolence which invests every action of his startled at his words i looked toward the place where i had last seen dicky romping in the waves with grace draper the girl was swimming by herself dicky with rapid strokes was coming toward us for the love of heaven madge he said angrily as he came up to us haven't you any more sense than to come away out here this sea is calm but it is treacherous and you are farther out than you have ever gone before come back with me this minute the sight of grace draper swimming by herself gave me an inspiration the game which Lillian had advised me to play was certainly succeeding. I would keep it up. "'Have you taken leave of your senses?' I demanded, assuming an indignation I did not feel. "'Dr. Pettit was saying nothing to me that could possibly interest you.' I felt a little twinge of conscience at the fib, but I had too much at stake to hesitate over a quibble. "'As for casting sheep's eyes,' as you so elegantly express it you've been doing so much of it yourself that i suppose it is natural for you to accuse other people of it now what do you mean by that dicky demanded staring at me with such an innocent air that i could have laughed if i had not been thoroughly angry at his silly attempt to misunderstand me don't be silly dicky i said pettishly i can swim perfectly well out here and even if anything should happen dr pettit and mr underwood are surely good swimmers enough to take care of me i could not resist putting that last little barbed arrow into my quiver for dicky while a good swimmer even i could see was not as skilful as either mr underwood or dr pettit dicky waited a long moment before answering then he spoke tensely sternly madge answer me are you coming back with me now or are you not the tone in which he put the question was one which i could not brook even at the risk of seriously offending dicky an angry refusal was upon my lips when harry underwood's voice saved me the necessity of a reply there there dicky bird keep your bathing suit on he admonished roughly of course you'll go back we'll all go back a regular triumphal procession with beautiful heroine escorted by watchful husband treacherous villain and faithful friend he grinned at dr pettit and we all swam back to shallower water dr pettit and mr underwood gradually edging off some distance away from dicky and me i could not help smiling at the ludicrous aspect we must have presented dicky must have been watching me narrowly for he suddenly growled do the devil with grace draper dicky cried and his voice was louder carried farther than he realized i'm not bothering about her she's getting on my nerves anyway but you happen to be my wife and what you do is my concern don't you forget that my lady End of chapter twenty six